0: everyone to another episode of Revolution Recap. Revolution's unbeaten streak came to an end and stopped at 10 games this weekend at Yankee Stadium after a 4-2 loss to New York City FC. The Revolution conceded three penalties in the first half, and Andrew Farrell was sent off in the 41st minute, while everything seemed to go wrong for the Revolution defensively. Not even a Gustavo Bo brace and a great performance from Jordi Petrovic uh, could save them Saturday afternoon. I'm Greg Johnstone. Joining me today of the Bent Musket is Sam Minton. Sam, how's it going?
1: Going good, going good. I would say probably better than the Revolution on a Saturday, but you know you can't win them all.
0: No, you can't win them all. You can't uh, avoid losing them all. More likely uh, with the Revolution, um, it seemed like they were one game. They, they were one game away from tying a team record, uh, eleven game unbeaten streak in what is likely the least impressive unbeaten streak of all time in league history. Uh, But they fall a little bit short, really kind of everything going wrong for them on Saturday in New York. Uh, Sam, before we get to the game, we have to issue a very big apology. It caused a lot of hubbub this week, especially on Rev's Twitter. Uh, And I just wanted to apologize to all of our listeners on something that, uh, you know, it's just an embarrassing moment for our podcast. Um, Sean forgot to talk about the Tommy McNamara contract extension last week. And it's just a really, really shameful moment for us. We're really embarrassed by our actions. Uh, Just a really bad oversight on our end. So we wanted to take a moment. Former Revolution Recap guest Tommy McNamara uh, just wanted to quickly recap that. Uh, Signed an extension for two years, guaranteed a team option. He's signed for the 2023-2024 seasons, a team option for 2025. I believe the team had a team option for 2023 already. So this is really more just extending him Uh, In the future, Uh, he's a team friendly 240,000 for this season in 2022. He is on the wrong side of 30. I believe he's 31. Uh, So we basically have him for his early 30s. Uh, I expect the contract figure to be. Again, team friendly, probably in that 240-250 range, which these days is kind of a expected depth piece, uh, bench player coming off or depth piece coming off the bench, uh, or kind of a lower starter salary. Uh, but Tommy McNamara has certainly been involved in most games he's been with since coming to the Revs uh, in 2019. Sam, any reaction to this contract extension?
1: I mean, you know, congrats to a Tommy Mac for getting the deal. It's definitely nice. He's kind of found a home. Uh, in New England, with just being a constant uh, fixture, whether it be in the starting lineup or off the bench, I I think ideally at this point, you would rather him have that bench role. Uh, but with how the midfield is right now, he seems like he's still going to get plenty of starts in the starting 11, but definitely uh, well-deserved, I would say, from Tommy Mack. And I honestly uh, can't believe Sean forgot that it's almost as bad as Chris uh, cursing the U.S. Open Cup.
0: I, it's really not a great moment for, uh, for Sean, specifically Sean, uh, but uh, really just a poor reflection on the podcast as a whole. Uh, So in terms of time McNamara, you know, I know a lot of people, you know, he's not exactly a lot of people's favorite, Uh, I, I think kind of for the salary that money is fine um i think going forward what, what this also signals to me is you're probably going to clear out kaptum this season i think he's got a team option uh this year you don't know what's going to happen with arnor Tristison uh, i believe matt polster has a team option for next year as well so you don't know his his uh, what, what his long-term plans are as well. So I, I really kind of see this as the Rebs making sure they have a plan in the central midfield uh, as they transition over to some other players like Noel Buck uh, and kind of some younger players or maybe some free agent players. It just seems like there's a lot of turnover and question marks in that area. Who knows if Maciel will be back next year. Uh, so I, I kind of see this more as the Revs making sure that they have one piece in place. Uh, long term, as there's a bit of turnover and they they probably get younger there. So, uh, with that being said, Sam, what are your key takeaways from this weekend? Oh wait, by the way, uh, these key wait 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 key takeaways are brought to you by the Rebellion. Please go check out anyrebellion.org to learn how you, to to learn more about the Rebellion and how you can uh, possibly get involved with them. So, Sam, what's your key takeaway? Uh, brought to you by the
1: Rebellion. Yeah, I must jump the gun there just because you know I, I I think Rez fans have had to deal with a lot of hate. And I just have to say, New York City fans, very soft, very soft. Obviously, a lot of the talk was about playing at Yankee Stadium, uh, playing at 1 p.m. You know, there's a mound on the field. The field's uneven. Matt Polster coming out and saying, you're looking at the net. You turn 180. You're supposed to see a net. That's not what happens. Uh, Obviously, it's tough uh, playing at NYCFC. And New England Revolution fans, uh, Bruce Arena, Henry Kessler, Demond Jones uh, talked about it. You know, everyone said that it shouldn't be an excuse, but it's still worth noting. And New York City fans, not happy about that. Uh, again, shout out to uh, Jake Katniss, coining it the No Casa Classico. And it really seems like something needs to happen when it comes to uh, NYCFC, because I think playing at Yankee Stadium, having your champion there playing on a field that is uneven, as uh, Henry Kessler described it. Just isn't acceptable. I, I mean, I don't know what the league can do, but it, it's just a sore, uh, it's a bad look for MLS. You know, that's your champion, and they're playing in Yankee Stadium, where the Yankees have way more banners uh, than NYCFC. So, yeah, and NYCFC fans were invading the Revs hashtag. I know even on one of my uh, stories recapping the game, got a comment from someone in like Brooklyn something, Brooklyn Viking remember that uh very unhappy with the amount of hate that nycfc was getting uh, in terms of their stadium but yeah nycfc fans very soft you would think you know yankee fans are pretty tough they can be kind of soft though so i guess it's just a new york thing
0: overall new york city fc fans yeah uh very very vocal hey you know what maybe this means we're rivals because every time we say we're rivals they they take offense to that as well uh do you think nycfc fans uh taking a lot of offense do you think that uh is just an indication that this is a rivalry
1: I mean, it would be great to have another, you know, New England slash Boston uh, versus New York rivalry. I mean, you heard the fans; they were chanting "Who's your daddy?" And I mean, first off, not exactly a great chant. I think you can be a bit more creative than that. Uh, but overall, too, you, you could sense you could sense the animosity. But uh, yeah, very soft. And now that I'm thinking about it, need better chants. Uh, so, even though they got the win, they got the three points. Rough day for NYCFC supporters. Also, very hard to take a team seriously who's called the Pigeons, personal opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. Very hard to take New York sports fans, especially Yankee fans in general, I would say.
1: But Sam, uh, I, mean, I mean, I don't as a Yankee fan. I take offense to that. But mm-hmm, okay. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, truth hurts. But Sam, now, now, now everything I say is in question. <laughs> Sam, uh, the
0: the baseball field complaining. I know Bruce Arena was complaining about this after the game. Seems to be I mean, there's some truth in it. I, I do think Yankee Stadium is a bit of a joke, but one, I think that's MLS. Sometimes you're going to be playing at Gillette Stadium. Sometimes you're going to be playing at Yankee Stadium. Some, you know, They used to have terrible games down at RFK. They, they play up in Olympic Stadium in Montreal, which uh, when Henry Kessler came on our show a few years ago, he, he said it was like a, a basketball court. Uh, there, there's going to be some just horrific pitches in MLS. I think that kind of comes with the territory. Uh, even if Yankee Stadium is weird, is bizarre, is uneven – do you think it's fair for or, or a good look for Bruce Arena to in the postgame comments after a, a tough loss uh, to pull that card? Or, or do you think that that's just kind of all baked into the cake at this point?
1: I mean, no matter what he says after that game, whether it be uh, on the officiating or the feel, I think it's all going to come off as sour grapes. So, But I think you do have a legitimate gripe in the sense that obviously – you have some surfaces that are not ideal. Bruce Arena was talking about Vancouver's turf, you know, not being the best. Obviously, the Revolution playing turf. There's actually plenty of teams that play on turf, but that's not really the issue with uh, New York's playing surface. The fact that it's uneven. How many times have you seen players slipping uh, in in the last game? So I think there's a bit more to go when it comes to NYCFC, and also too, it just like doesn't feel like they're home at all. It makes the Gillette Stadium feel warm and cozy, I would say, in comparison. So I think no matter what Bruce said or anyone said, it could come off of sour grapes, but I do think it's it was good on the players. I know especially Henry Kessler and uh, DeJuan Jones. They made sure to say, you know, they had grapes the field, but it's it can't be used in excuse. Both teams are playing on it. Uh, but I would say there is some legitimacy to it, but also, too, no matter what happens, it's just going to come off of sour grapes because you just lost 4-2.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think those complaints can be made at the pregame press conference or somewhere else. I feel like right after a game uh, to go into, uh, you know, complaining about the field. You know, I I feel like everyone kind of knows that at that point. But um, so I I feel like as time goes on, there seems to be, you know, I I don't think he would be complaining about the pitch after a win or a draw. So um, I don't know. I kind of wish we could kind of ease these off uh but uh certainly i think we can all agree new york city fans and uh and uh revs fans alike can agree gillette stadium a bit of a joke yankee stadium also a joke um i have a quick takeaway here that i just want to say we're going to learn a lot about this revs team i think last year bruce arena said something like you need 22 games to learn about your team and to figure out what you have uh the Reds have played 19 games so far and they have a bit of a tough schedule coming up they play at philadelphia next week philadelphia coming off a very, very solid 7-0 win against DC United. It probably could have been more. Uh, they then go to Columbus. Columbus not having the best season, but they are tied with the Revs in points in eighth place, and that's always a tough place to play. Uh, and then following that, they come home and they play uh, Toronto FC, who's a little bit down in the standings, but they might be uh, reignited by uh, Insigne, who's, who might be playing in that game as well. So um, over the next three games, which would bring the revolution to 22 games, Uh, we're going to know where the Revs are in the standings. And right now, they're one point out of sixth place. Uh, They're right now in ninth place. They're tied with Columbus. They're one point behind Cincinnati. They're one point behind Charlotte. They are three points behind Orlando. They are four points below Montreal. There is room to gain above uh, the Revolution. I I don't think the Revolution are you know, worse than some of these teams that are above them, but they're going to need to start winning tough games. NYCFC, I think, was the first of many tough tests coming up in the month of July for this team, uh, and they did not pass. Going to Philadelphia next week without Andrew Farrell with Polster coming back from concussion protocol, that's going to be a very, very tough task. So the next three games, I, I think, is going to be an indication of how this team performs, Go, you know, what this team is, I should say, not not how this team performs late in the year, but what this team is right now, how tough they are. Can they come away with a tough road point? Uh, can they go into Philadelphia and go toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the East without Andrew Farrell? Um, you know, I, I think it's a very, very big show-me game, specifically next week, and this game against New York City FC really did not inspire any confidence I understand a lot did not go their way, but uh, really just not the performance you want to see from New England this late in the year.
1: Yeah, and, and also, too, just your point, we're getting towards uh, the end of the secondary transfer window, and I think we all no- noted that once that happens, you're going to get a real sense of this team, and you're going to see if this team can make a push you know, for the MLS Cup. Obviously, some moves could still be made. Maybe you, you boost the back line, boost the midfield. You already have Aroni coming in. Uh, But I think once that secondary window is passed, you can kind of get a judgment of what this team is capable of or can be. A lot of the talk at the beginning of the season was, well, we have to wait to see what moves are being made. You go out, you get Barrero, you get Petrovic, you get a guy like Veroni, who who we'll still have to wait and see how he adjusts MLS, but things are looking good. So I think it won't be... uh, time to look forward once that window pass. It's looking at now, seeing what you got, and seeing if you really are capable of making a run for an MLS Cup. And if not, I think uh, Revs fans will probably be pretty disappointed, because obviously coming off that Supporters' Shield season, if you were to either miss the playoffs uh, completely, or maybe have another first-round exit, it would definitely leave a sour taste in the mouths of Revs fans. So I think you're definitely right. We're really going to see what this Revolution team is made of, what they're capable of, and just who they are as a team uh, as we go through this stretch of games. It's interesting. I, I think this might be the season
0: where the Rebs have the most variance in terms of where they could end up. I honestly think the Rebs could have a deep playoff run as a 5 or 6 seed if they're at full strength. If Veroni comes in and is a solid player, Bruce Arena has hit with almost all of his DPs so far. I mean, I guess we're talking just about Bo and, uh, and Buxa, but uh, if Veroni is that level of impact... Uh, and if he can replace Buxa's production that he had towards the end of this year, or what Buxa did last year, um, this is a team that you're going to have to watch out for. NYCFC won as the four seed last year. You know, if the Revs end up as the five or six seed, I mean, they could certainly—they're going to be a dangerous team for for teams in the playoffs. With that being said, if he's a bust, if they have another injury. Um, if they don't improve the back line, it's not unrealistic for this team to miss the playoffs. It's kind of been a weird season because at the beginning of the year, you had Turner out, you had Bo out, you had a lot of weird points dropped from, you know, many errors and mental mistakes and bad luck. Uh, and and really the beginning of the season was when you had Turner and Books and you thought you were going to rack up all these points. So the team really, really underachieved and then they lost those guys then they went on this unbeaten run which even though it didn't really gain a ton of ground in the east still kind of put them up into competitive range and still kind of you know help help them stabilize their season in a in a time of turnover and replacements and they brought in Petrovic and they brought in Barrero and those guys seemed to fit nicely right away uh so so kind of they they smoothed out the waters in kind of the most turbulent time. Uh, and now we're kind of hitting, you know, the end of the summer. There's going to be another turbulent time. If they can kind of smooth the waters, it's going to be great. The Revs might end up as a four or five seed and, and be a dangerous team. But if they don't, I mean, this team could easily sink below Inter-Miami, who just acquired a former uh, MLS MVP this week. So uh, it's really weird. This team could end up in 10th. This team could end up in third or fourth and be in the MLS Cup final. Um, I, I truly believe this might be the the. I have absolutely no idea how the rest of the season is going to play out. And and as I say, next three four games we're going to learn a lot about this team.
1: Also, too, you know, you, you mentioned Miami getting better. It seems like a lot of teams around MLS are making some pretty big moves, especially you know Toronto FC. They they don't just have Insignia. They also have uh, I'm going to butcher his name, so I'm just going to say another Italian player. Uh, who I believe was with uh, Juventus coming to uh, join him over there. So there's definitely plenty of talent also to Mark Anthony K. So the East is getting uh, pretty, it's getting stronger. So the revolution will have to show that they can kind of stay above the waters with everyone else uh, continuing to improve as well and wayne rooney might deploy some
0: magic down at dc united who knows oh
1: oh play a coach maybe Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -mm -mm. sam let's get back to the actual game here which was a a complete disaster and i don't really want to talk about but i think we got to start with andrew farrell red card in the 41st minute um you know there's a contingent of people that really are anti-andrew farrell and, and think his spot needs to be uh, removed. Uh, you know they, they need an upgrade there. Um, certainly this was not his finest performance. So those people are are kind of taking I told you so laps. Uh, conceded a very bad penalty in the early in the game. I think the eighth minute there, uh, which led to the opening goal from New York City FC. Then later also caused another penalty for pulling down Castellanos from behind. Uh, that was a bit soft I felt, but still uh, he was the la- it, it, it was the uh, clear clear runner the goal, so he got automatic red carded there once that foul was called um, what was your thoughts on Andrew Farrell's performance do you think he had some bad luck from some soft calls uh, or or do you think he deserves full blame for this disa- a disastrous performance
1: yeah I definitely say that uh, the first call against him probably well deserved it seemed like he just really misjudged that tackle and overall I think if you if you want to go out and put the blame on him obviously you'd say that he started it and obvious and things went downhill from there uh, but definitely, I would say that uh, call that sent them off maybe a little bit soft. Uh, there was a lot of diving uh, going on in that game. Uh, but I would say more overall, it was just a poor game. I wouldn't take too much out of it. If you do want to look ahead, obviously, you have a guy like Henry Kessler has struggled a bit with injury. Obviously, we know what's happened with Omar. You have John Bell, who's been uh, hit or miss. You know, he's had some good games. But I would say, along with pretty much the rest of the back line in the NYCFC game, didn't exactly play lo- well so you're kind of in an interesting spot when it comes to the back line because I, I, it's tough to know uh, what Andrew Farrell's contract status is in terms of years, but it seems like he could be nearing the end of his deal. And if that is the case, it seems like it might be a good time to move on from him. You know, take the Bill Belichick approach, it's better to move on uh, a little bit early compared to a little bit late. Uh, but I still think he can be a, a decent part of this backline. He can be the veteran presence that you pair alongside Henry Kessler or maybe whether it be a draft pick or just someone you go out and acquire, maybe use that U-22 initiative possibly, if, it, or a young DP. you know Maybe you go out and get someone uh, for the back line, or you just rely on uh, someone like Henry Kessler. And I think having uh, Andrew Farrell as kind of that veteran presence could be valuable. Uh, but depending on his contract status, if you really feel confident in a guy like and a guy like Henry Kessler, or you think John Bell can turn it around, or you just have uh, someone that you're looking at scouting-wise, whether it be transfer, draft, uh, whatever it may be, if you feel confident enough, it seems like in these next few years would be the time to move on instead of maybe having him go up late into his uh, mid-30s or early 30s, maybe move on from him. But I think with his status at the club and just the overall presence that he, that he brings to the back line, that leadership, wouldn't surprise me if he stays and i don't exactly think that would be a terrible thing
0: well just to the last thing we know about his contract he signed a multi-year contract extension in june 2020 uh he was under contract for this season as well uh usually when there's a multi-contract extension similar to the, the, the tommy McNamara extension there's usually one or two team option years uh tacked onto that so i would imagine that the revs have a team option for Andrew Farrell for next year. Um, I I don't think he's going to be just gone one day. I I think that he will probably be phased out uh, maybe in a part-time role, maybe in a backup role. Um, So I I certainly do think that the back line at times is real. There's a lot of question marks, not just Andrew Farrell, but Henry Kessler's health has been uh, not great this year. We've missed him a lot at times um john bell has gotten better uh this season he he struggled at the beginning of this year but he had some pretty solid showings last year uh and had some solid showings this year i think he's fine as a third center back uh or a depth piece but i'm not sure i love him as a a full-time starter a 30-game starter omar gonzalez uh enough said so overall the center back's not to say that any one of them minus Omar is really lacking in quality, but it's kind of just they're all kind of question marks at this point. And Andrew Farrell will have these games where he's really great. He's fine. Most of the time he's fine. He's a average to above average center back and MLS in my opinion, but you still get these games where he's red card in the 40th minute and that's it. And there's really no coming back for the revs. Um, You know, he he has these moments that are, just not great. And I think we had one of those two years ago in New York city FC as well, where I think he got carded early in the game as well. So, um, yeah, I, I I'm not in love with the Kessler Ferrell writing out this center back pairing uh, throughout the rest of the year. Um, I said this last year too, I thought they needed an upgrade in center back. I'm curious if Bruce goes out uh, and upgrades and gets another kind of reliable center back, uh, to kind of shore up that back line. But, um, Andrew Farrell, uh, boy yesterday was just not a great game for him. Uh, and as I say, I think that red card, that was a tough one. Um, I, I don't think that I think a lot of referees wouldn't call that as a penalty. So maybe we wouldn't be highlighting him as much as we would on most games, but, um, certainly the first penalty kick was bad. And I know he conceded a penalty a few weeks ago as well. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the back line seems to be a real issue and I'm not I can't really pinpoint who's the weak link or, or what needs to be upgraded, but Andrew Farrell I think this weekend is, is gonna be uh yeah, just not a great performance from him.
1: Yeah, and also too, you know, we've been hearing that uh, you know, oh the back line isn't healthy, especially if, with Kessler too. Now they're they're healthy, so there really isn't that built that excuse there. So we'll be interested to see uh how the back line performs, especially towards the end of the season.
0: Real quick on the refereeing, uh, I know a lot of people were upset with the refereeing. We got some listener questions and some comments on that. Uh, what did you think? Uh, do you think the Revs got screwed with whatever that refereeing performance was yesterday? Or do you, uh, not to say that the Revs the deserve to win or lose, but uh, Bruce Arena said after the game that he thought someone owed the Revolution an apology. Uh, do you second those statements? Do you have any issues with the refereeing yesterday overall?
1: Yeah, I would definitely say that second call against Henry Kessler just brought everything into question because it was the softest call i've ever seen in my life it just seems like an occurrence that happens in every mls game and uh, once you have a call that bad uh it kind of brings everything to light i mean maybe that feral call there isn't much of a spotlight on it if there wasn't that second call but clearly the you know the revs they are the refs they clearly you know had an impact on the game uh calling plenty of uh fouls on on the excuse me the revs three penalty kicks hasn't happened in an entire mls game and that happened in the first half of the nycfc revs game so it was definitely peculiar definitely something that i think you know rose eyebrows probably you know garnered attention from the league just at the disparity you know between uh the foul calls and just how much it did impact the game and really you know it wasn't even the revs too if you look at it. Uh, the Red Bulls and Cincy, uh, there was some interesting calls there. I was watching that. It just seemed like overall a pretty rough day uh, for pro referees. I don't think uh it might have been the main reason that the Revs lost, but the refs definitely had a big impact in the game and you could say the game was more about the refs and the playing surface and what actually happened on the field. So wasn't a great day for pro referees overall. No, and I'm curious,
0: I know the MLS releases there, was it a penalty, or they, they do their recap videos, or at least they used to, I don't. I haven't seen one in a while, but uh, I'm curious to see if there's any kind of comments on that, I know they they put up on their front page that NYCFC had three penalties, it's a new league record, whatever, it's kind of a weird thing for them to promote, um, yeah, I, I don't know, I wasn't really a, pleased with the refereeing, I understand the calls, that technically they might have been Right. Um, although Andrew Farrell, you know, you could really argue that call was outside of the box. But um, overall, I, yeah, first one was a definite for me. Two and three was a bit soft. And I feel like if you're calling soft, the third, you know, uh, two soft penalty kicks and a half, um, I, I think the referee was just kind of whistle happy on the day. Uh, one reason the Revs didn't lose, though, is Georgie Petrovic. We got to give love to him. A phenomenal performance, uh, probably the best performance ever by uh, a keeper that conceded four times. Uh, he had seven saves, one penalty kick save. Uh, just New York City FC, uh, based on expected goals, had 5.63 expected goals. So Petrovic con- conceded four times, uh, but still saved 1.63 goals. Uh, it's a, a pretty crazy stat overall. It kind of tells you how much he was kind of left for dead at times. Uh, Sam Petrovic, I mean, look, I wanted a keeper that was probably 70 or 80% as good as Matt Turner. This guy might be as good as Matt Turner. It's kind of crazy to say, but uh, this guy looks great. He looks phenomenal. I think the team hit a home run with this one. Everything I've seen from him is great. Kid looks confident, um, has great reaction time, um, does it all, it seems like. I'm really impressed with Petrovic, and I I honestly think his ceiling might be higher than Matt Turner's, which is really weird because Matt Turner's over at Arsenal right now. So uh, what are your thoughts on Petrovic's performance, uh, and, and how high are you on Georgie Petrovic?
1: I mean, Matt Turner said it himself uh, when he was uh, Petrovich's age. He wasn't as good as him, so clearly, you know, whether it be Bruce Reno, Turner, and I think Revolution fans were all high on Petrovich, and it's clear, you know, he's able to, you know, have that pure shot stopping ability. You know, he's pretty good when it comes to distributing distributing the ball. I know, obviously, there was the the mistake with Damian Rivera, but overall, I think he's great at distributing the ball, and he just seems to be a really good goal you know, goalkeeper. That's all all I can really say. And just the shots that he is able to stop are really impressive. You know, showing himself being able to uh, make that penalty kick save. I think that was crucial because obviously Matt Turner was pretty dang good at those. So Petrovic can continue to improve there, be a good shot stopper when it comes to penalty kicks. That would be absolutely great for the revolution. But I, I would agree. I think the revolution really you know, have a star in their hands, and it'll be interesting to see just how far he can go, how long he's even in the league. You know, we've seen Turner go to Arsenal. Maybe Petrovich is uh, bound for a Premier League side, but I think he's been impressive so far. He's already got a sick nick- nickname in Petrovoss. Uh, shout out to uh, Ben Softley, I believe, uh, created that on uh, Rev's Twitter. So he's already got a sick nickname, and I think he's going to have plenty of these great performances, and he's going to be a key player for the Revolution moving forward. So definitely a great performance uh, from him, and he kept the revolution in multiple games so far uh when he was a net. So I've been very impressed with George A. Petri Rich and think I will continue to be uh as the season goes on.
0: Great. a hundred percent. Uh kid's phenomenal and, and I'm really surprised that uh he's kind of caught on this quickly for the revs and boy do they need him. Uh if they have games like yesterday they are going to need him for sure. Uh on the opposite end, probably the uh, there were many low points, I think, yesterday. But one low point that was reported uh, kind of off-screen. It uh, seems like there was some drama with Josie Altador. Josie did not make it into the game yesterday, uh, but that does not uh, mean that we can't complain about him. Uh, Seth McComer uh, from Bent Musket kind of got the scoop. It seems like it was reported on Univision uh, that there was a conflict uh, over down by the sideline. Uh, and Seth talked to Michelle Gioni uh, of Univision uh, and basically, the summary is that Josie Altador was upset that he was not going into the game. He stopped warming up. Uh, he took off his cleats, went and sat over on the bench, kind of pouted, uh, had a verbal exchange with an assistant coach. Apparently, Altador told him to uh, f off. Uh, didn't, didn't use the letter F. I'm pretty sure you can use your imagination on what that word was. Uh, and, and really, just kind of pouted the rest of the game. Uh, Altador put his boots back on a few minutes later, but did not move from his spot on the bench for the rest of the game. Uh, we also got a uh, live view from a listener, Brian Boltonhouse. Thank you, Brian, for writing in. Uh, but when it happened, he actually uh, sent us a message before we heard about the Univision uh, uh, report. Uh, he thought it looked like Josie was quitting on the team. He thought that uh, he was being called into the game. Uh, it looked like Bruce was calling him in and Josie said no. Uh, Brian's viewpoint, he said that coach comes up to Josie, he starts yelling at coaches, sits on the bench for the rest of the game. Uh, he read it as he he may have asked to go in, um, but uh, he uh, yeah he couldn't tell if he was going in or not. Uh, but basically, coach talked to Josie. Josie points to the scoreboard and time left. Coach talks to Bruce. Coach immediately subs in Arnor and Polster. And, and so basically, there seemed to be some conflict between coach uh, and Josie in terms of uh, what to do. Uh, as I say, and Brian in real time thought it meant that Josie didn't want to go in, uh, but apparently, according to U Division, is saying that Josie was mad he wasn't going in. So, that is our that is our report from Brian. Thank you, Brian, for uh, uh, giving us your uh, Eye in the Sky account. Uh, Sam, every week it seems like the Josie experiment is going a little bit more and more off the rails, uh, and now we have it seems like some personal conflict here, losing some composure about going in and r- his role on the team. I'm sure he's not very happy at designated players coming in, and I think Charlie Davies also made the comment uh, that uh, on on the 98.5 broadcast that. If Josie was performing, they probably wouldn't have gone out and gotten a designated player, which, you know, I, I, I truly believe that, you know, I think I've made this comment before, that Josie probably was plan B to Adam Buxo. When Buxo is sold, I think they were hoping Josie Altador would pick up the slack. Uh, that clearly is not going to happen. So Josie seems pretty frustrated with his role, whatever it is, whether he wanted to go in the game or not. Uh, and It seems to be, as I say, going off the rails. Uh, what's your reaction to the Josie drama, and do you think it's salvageable?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say it is far from ideal to have that exchange going on. Uh, it's just a really rough situation, because obviously we've been hearing that Josie just needs to get fit, and then, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, we'll see what he's able to do, and that just hasn't seemed to happen. When you compound that with this latest uh, incident, it just, it's not a good look. its It really, I would say, sucks, because I think Revolution fans would love for Josie to be making an impact, but especially... With a guy like Veroni coming in, seems like he's gonna be the starter if you're gonna start two strikers or if you're gonna have you know Veroni up top and maybe Gustavo Bo playing on a wing, where does that leave Josie Altidore? Where does that leave Justin Rennicks, you know, as we're recording Justin Renicks is playing with the the second team. So what's that mean for him? So it seems like, you know, again that the Josie signing has been a failure so far. I, I would again, I would love for that to change. But as things look right now, no matter how much Toronto's paying. I mean, it would probably take Toronto paying like 90 to 95% of his contract to even remotely be worth it. Uh, But it it just seems like a failed opportunity, I know, especially with, you know, Omar coming in and Josie. It just really seemed like Bruce was bringing his guys. And both of those guys have been failures, so it's not exactly a great look for Bruce in terms of making those offseason acquisitions. You know, the season, you know, there still are some games to play, but I don't exactly know if it is salvageable. And also, too, even if it's not salvageable, he does have a three-year contract, so he's not exactly going anywhere. The same goes for Omar Gonzalez. He only has a two-year contract. So I don't exactly think that Revolution are going to find any uh, willing trade partners. I, they might literally just have to cut bait and, uh, you know, use one of their contract buyout options. And, you know, I think that would be a tough look, obviously, for the Rebs, but also for Josie, too, who was kind of looking to revitalize his career. At one point, it seemed like with the United States men's national team continuing to struggle at finding strikers, maybe he could be heading to Qatar. But obviously, don't think that's the case anymore. You got Hazers Ferrer, who's absolutely tearing it up in Dallas and at the international level. So it, I would love for things to change, but if you're asking me right now, I don't think you can really salvage anything. It would take you know, a real 180 for Josie to all of a sudden be getting, you know, pretty consistent playing time and also scoring goals. So if I have to say right now, I would say it's kind of the past the point of a, a no return.
0: It's funny. We did our uh, – me and Seth did a our debate episode this earlier this week on if Ferroni was the right signing and, uh, if you haven't listened, please go back and do it, do and, and let us know your reaction to it. But, um, you know, I, I said at the beginning that these aren't necessarily our opinions. We're really just taking a side and playing devil's advocate. Uh, and I think the giveaway that, uh, this isn't my actual opinion was when I started saying that maybe Josie needs more time and we're jumping the gun getting another forward. Uh, someone, someone messaged me and said, I'm pretty confident you guys both think this is a good move. Uh, And I kind of got called out, and I think the Josie uh, line uh, may have given away that uh, I I was not making those arguments uh, in good faith. But yeah, I mean, Josie has shown little flashes, but really not a ton. Um, We really have just not seen a lot of speed. He doesn't seem to fit the system. I know he said that it's a lot of run and gun in New England. Um, It's taking him a little bit of a while to catch up. I, I just don't know... You know, the next few games before Veroni comes in is really the only time he can show his stuff. So maybe that's also adding to his frustration that he's not going to be able to get into a game uh, and kind of earn some more minutes. Like, maybe there's some frustration there, and I kind of understand that from a competitive standpoint. But with that said, the Revs are down a man. Josie Altidore is really, you know, tactically, uh, you know, he's pretty slow. I I think putting on, you know, a guy who's pretty slow and you're already down a man needing a goal – that's really not a good fit. And I don't blame the revs for not bringing him on if that's what was happening. So, um, and it's even worse if, if he was called to go in and he said, no, uh, I don't know what the what the defense the there is if, if he wasn't going on. So I'm, I'm going to assume that he was mad. He wasn't going to play. Um, and if that's the case, I, I kind of get it from his standpoint, but, I don't know. I don't know if you need him to, I don't know if you'd be willing to go play a couple of games at Rebs two just to get 90 minutes in, or maybe you could go loan him to a champion USL championship squad for a a game or two. I'm sure there are a ton of USL championship teams that would just love to promote, you know, a United States men's national team star making a cameo appearance for Hartford athletic or whatever. Um, I I don't think that Josie would do that. Um, But there has to be a way you can get him 90 minutes fit and get him the minutes he needs to to overcome whatever is wrong with him. I I don't think the the revs have a window here. They got to go for it and he's getting in their way. So, um, you know, the revs can buy him out at any time. If you buy him out in the off season, he no longer counts against the cap. As you mentioned, Sam, unless TFC is paying, 80% 80% of that salary, I don't see a situation where it's worth it for the revs. So I wonder if they use the off-season buyout on him in the off-season. I wonder if because most of his salary is being paid by TFC next year, uh, and then it's all the revs, 100% the revs in 2024, I wonder if maybe the Rebs say, we'll pay his entire 2024 salary and then trade him to a lower market team that maybe doesn't mind bringing in a big name and only paying a small fraction of the salary in 2023 and 2024. I mean, maybe you just kind of do a move like that, like what TFC just did and send him to, I don't know, Vancouver or San Jose or something just to get him off the books. I'm not, I'm not sure what the solution is here. Um, But uh, I, I also, each week goes by, and the the path to Josie out the door working out seems to be getting smaller and smaller quite rapidly. And now we got attitude uh, issues on top of it. Um, it, it seems like uh, you know th- this is a very not good situation overall. And now that we've ranted about Josie. We want to take a minute and talk about our sponsor, Glasso Kits. Glasso Kits' mission is to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home with a catalog of jerseys, jackets, scarves, and more from clubs and national teams from over 80 countries in the world. They have some Revolution merch that is up for grabs right now. Uh, you can get a 15... Right now for $15 before discount. They have a 2021 home kit that is available in a youth large. That is Sam's size, so if you have a little Rubs fan in your life, please go grab it before Sam hops off this call and buys it before you. They also have a nice pair of Revolution track pants, complete with the crayon flag for $25 before discount. And as Sean mentioned last week, if you're a local soccer fan, they have a Boston City FC jersey available in men's large. Uh, That is available for $25 before discount. As well, so a lot of great deals right now on GalassoKits.com. Check out GalassoKits.com for their full selection, and make sure you follow them at GalassoKits on Twitter and GalassoKits Instagram uh, for updates on their new inventory. They post new videos every single week, and when you find something you like, please use use promo code REVSRECAP for 15% off your order. That is promo code REVSRECAP at GalassoKits for 15% off your order. Links and code are in the show notes.
1: Hey, Greg, I got some breaking but uh, not breaking live news. Oh, go for it. It is just just two minutes into the Revs 2 game and they have a lot of goal.
0: <laughs> Things uh, are great. Oh, boy. Well. Jacob Jackson, come on, man. You're supposed to be the chosen one. You're supposed to be the next backup, the next great backup for the revs. Um yeah. Well, let's get to listener questions. Let's get to some happy stuff. Uh, and nothing makes us happier mm-hmm. than our listeners. So we'll start out with James Downing. He has some kind of thoughts uh, on the revs. He says Bo is very good. Uh, five goals in his last seven mls appearances bo has the most goals in the league since may 28th by the way uh so he's having a great season potentially in the golden boot race if he was healthy all year uh petrovic is also very good uh he also says i continue to take every single result on this stupid field with a grain of salt uh and then he also says thoughts on turner's first appearance with arsenal uh he was not he was non petrovician uh sam what are your thoughts on turner's first appearance with arsenal
1: I mean, similar to my thoughts are uh, my key takeaway. Arsenal fans are just absolutely insane. Like they were saying that Arteta was coaching for his job in a preseason game, and they were getting mad at Turner when they brought out a back line that might be as worse, if not worse, than the Revs' back line. Uh, so that that really stood out. I mean, obviously, I would say that first goal far from ideal. Uh, the second goal he allowed, I would say, was more. Uh, Poor uh, giveaway, uh, just bad effort from the back line. Turner was left out to dry. Maybe he makes that save, but also, too, I'm not exactly going to blame him. Uh, but probably wasn't the start that he was looking for, and hopefully he can get back in that and kind of show what he really is capable of. Uh, but yeah, Arsenal fans are absolutely insane.
0: I was setting you up for your line you had last week of what is this, an Arsenal podcast now? But yeah, eh, whatever. I didn't
1: mean. want to bring it up again. You know, I did, did, didn't want to offend uh, boss man uh, Greg Johnstone, so. Yeah, I,
0: I I might not be an Arsenal fan for long uh, after seeing all their tweets on our golden child, Matt Turner. Jeez, jeez, boy, they are quite something. Uh, Gabriel says, none of our center backs have been good this year. That is probably a fair statement. They seem to be underachieving a little bit. Randy LH says, our attack is good, and by adding Veroni, I think we'll be one of the best in the league. Our defense, Petrovic excluded, seems to be getting worse and worse, though. Thoughts on how it can be fixed? I don't know if there's any fixing other than a center back replacement um i've kind of thought about this question many many ways maybe another defensive midfielder because teams really kind of cruise through the midfield very very easily at times i feel uh but overall i I think the missing piece is a center back don't ask me who to replace uh don't ask me what pairing it should be um i I don't think they should go to a three-man back line or a five man back line i think the the four-man back line that they have is fine i just think it might need a new part uh to to be applied uh sam any thoughts there
1: yeah, I would say, if anything, you're kind of running out of time to make a change, but I think that would be the only move, you know, whether it probably would be an MLS move. I know LAFC, I believe, released a uh, defender, so maybe they go after uh, him. I'm not going to claim to have any of the answers of who they should go after, uh, but it really seems like this is just a back line that we're going to have. Again, Omar was probably uh, expected to be a little bit better and serve uh, that off-the-bench role, but he was immediately thrown into uh, the fire with... Farrell and Kessler dealing with injuries. And I think really now we're just going to continue to get Farrell and Kessler out there for the rest of the season. Obviously, I've been I've been impressed with DeJuan Jones and Brandon Bay at times, but that's more for their attacking abilities, not exactly uh, their defensive efforts. But I think really Revolution fans should just get used to this back line because I don't exactly think things are going to change. And if they do, I don't think they're going to go out and get a big name uh, internationally. I think they're probably going to go for an inter-MLS move. Uh, whether that be, you know, getting a different, excuse me, getting a player or, you know, changing game, whatever it may be, or maybe, you know, signing a three agent. But uh, definitely doesn't seem like the revolution are going to make a big splash in terms of improving their backline.
0: line. Uh, John, also on the same kind of wavelength, am I wrong here for thinking that there's a lot of good individual talent in the back line that just doesn't play well together? What do you think the ultimate defensive issue is there? And certainly it seemed like they weren't playing very well together uh, yesterday when they were down a man, particularly that last goal. It looks like Brandon by kind of committed way over committed up the field. I mean, I I guess they were down a goal. It was late in the game, kind of playing, you know, aggressively and a little desperate. But uh, there there were times where it just seemed very, very easy for uh, the Revs to get beat uh, and for people to get behind the defense. Um, Sam, what do you think ultimately the defensive issue is here?
1: Yeah, I would definitely say there is talent, but I would also say a lot of the talent is more focused on the offensive side of the ball, especially with DeWan Jones and Brandon. I, I would say Henry Kessler, uh, I think Bruce Arena said it himself, is probably your best defender. Uh, and then also to Matt Polster, I would say in that midfield is probably you know your one of your best defenders. So I th- think there's talent, especially on the wings. I think that talent is more geared towards offense. We've seen it multiple times. Whether it be Kessler, Farrell, or Bayes specifically, they've struggled with ball watching and just failing to uh, mark their man. So I, I would say that's really the issue. You you know, you know have some talented players, especially on the wings. You have talented players, but they're more geared towards offense than I would say defense. You have a guy like Kessler who's very good you know, defending the ball, but even he himself can struggle sometimes with ball watching or whatever it may be. And you have Andrew Farrell, who's a quality defender, but just can make some bad decisions like we saw yesterday. I think overall you know, this back line is better than what they showed against New York, but I don't exactly think they're the best back line in the entire MLS. Uh, so I, I do think there's talent there, but I don't exactly know if the talent is in the right places. I would say probably besides... Oh, Henry Kessler, who has got some great close down speed and can do well, but he's also uh, prone to mistakes at times as well.
0: I I also feel like Andrew Farrell may have lost a little bit of a step this year. I hate to say that. I like Andrew Farrell a lot. Um, Seems to be a little bit late on a lot of challenges, Um, especially thinking back to that first penalty yesterday and that penalty he conceded a few weeks ago. Just seems to be a little bit off on his challenges and that's just never fun. So um, I I also want to say, I'm going to be very interested in a potential Henry Kessler, John Bell center back pairing next week that I will keep an eye Mm. on. I think we've seen that one or two times before. I'm curious to see how it does against a very, very good Philadelphia team on the road. So uh, Charles Maddox says, how many times do we need to tweet at pro referees for them to get their stuff together? Uh, infinite. I don't think they're ever going to get it together. I think that this is just part of the beauty of MLS. You're going to be playing on an uneven baseball field uh, and referees are going to be calling penalty kicks for no reason. Uh, I shouldn't say no reason, but for very soft reasons. Uh, Sam uh, is pro referees pretty help, uh, uh, hopeless and will always be, uh, very terrible.
1: Uh I mean it's just refs in general. I know uh, we have our boy Jake, Kenney's, uh who who I believe ref uh but yeah, it I have no faith in pro referees whatsoever. Uh especially after against it wasn't just the refs game. Saturday as a whole was a poorly ref game or ref week I would say, so I would I think you could say it, you could shout it until the cows come home. You're probably not gonna make any change. Uh, so you know save your breath. Save some oxygen, relax, maybe take a deep breath, and uh, focus on George A. Petrovic, Dylan Barrero, and Gustavo Bo.
0: Very, very good day from uh, Bo and Petrovich yesterday.
1: Um And also to to Greg, the revs are down to two, Revs two is down two nothing after being or the NYCFC being awarded the penalty. It's repeated yesterday. We're in a time loop. We're having fun. Let's just stop talking about revs too. Let's let's not
0: ruin any more of my weekend, please. Slash week, really, I'm, really, I'm, really, I'm the sorry. whole week. I'm sorry, let's, Greg. Just not a great week for Greg. Just not a not a very good week overall on social media or just in the soccer world. Just been a very very long week. Tom says not much to break down Uh, The Revs missed Polster Farrell was possibly still drunk from Friday night uh, And the refs might be on Man City payroll Uh, And uh, Wojan on uh, Discord also says How much did NYCFC pay the refs? Uh, So they also agree that the refs Not very great I will say Matt Polster did come back in this game Nice to see Matt Polster back I think he is badly needed in the midfield Uh, So very good to see him make his return As he comes back from concussion Um, No word on Andrew Farrell's sobriety uh ryan says it was a weird game strange calls a lot of random cards a game i'd like to forget sooner rather than later uh i I will say there seems to be one game a year that you just got to toss out as just everything went wrong uh i think this is this game hopefully that this is this game uh just real garbage from start to end and uh not a lot of fun stuff to talk about uh david's billion says zero excuses i don't care enough about the refs or blown calls the revs did not play well enough to win thoughts uh, and Traeger also says, tell this to Arena when he blames the turf and refs. Uh, I will say, also, to be fair, Bruce Arena, while he does his complaining, and it might come off as whining, he does say it's not an excuse. He does say both teams had to deal with it. So I, I do want to just throw that out there. I feel like that that part of the quote is always kind of left off. Uh, but with that being said, I, I don't think the Revs were, were well enough to win. I think coming away with zero points is it's tough to say, because he got a red card in the first half. They did kind of fight back a little bit. They didn't roll over and get blown out 7 nothing like DC, but... I don't think there's really any complaint that they are walking away with zero points. You know, anytime you have five point six three expected goals from the other team, um, that that kind of signals that uh, you didn't play very well. Uh, Sam, any thoughts on if the revs, you know, you know, was it a fair result?
1: Yeah, I would say overall it still probably was a fair result. What stands out to me is that I know you were down a man, but. That goal where Petrovic was forced off his line and just poor defending and you have John Bell uh, kind of standing back there hoping to somehow uh, keep the uh, ball out of the net. It just was a poor defensive effort and kind of illustrated all the struggles that New England was having. So I think, you know, maybe etch, etch out a point if there isn't that red card in these, you know, interesting calls. Uh, but still, I would say, you know, not getting any points is probably a fair result just based on uh, specifically how the back line played.
0: TSB 11 says Andrew Farrell has 28,000 professional minutes. Shouldn't he have better composure? Uh, I say yes. Uh, I say absolutely. I think he made some fouls that uh, I think any MLS veteran probably shouldn't have. Although, again, his red card one, I feel, was a little soft. Uh, I think the first one is really inexcusable. But um, overall, I mean... Not just Andrew Farrell. I think composure seems to be a problem this year. Obviously, we have the Carlos Hill clip of, uh, you know, stop the game uh, from earlier this year. Uh, we also had Carlos Hill screaming at Bruce Arena. And then we had Carlos Heel yesterday getting a yellow card for punting the ball into the crowd. Uh, Bruce Arena got a yellow card yesterday for arguing with the refs. We have Josie screaming at assistant coaches about his playing time. Uh, not a lot of composure really anywhere on this team, it seems like right now. Uh, it's not really a good thing to see in my mind. So, yeah, Sam, uh, what are your thoughts on the team's composure? I guess this question was specifically about Andrew Farrell, so you can talk about Andrew Farrell if you want. But uh, just overall, uh, are you a little concerned about this uh, composure from the revolution from what we're seeing? And also it should be noted that a lot of teams were, you know, a lot of post game, DeWan Jones, Matt Polster, Henry Kessler, uh, all uh, not very happy with the, uh, you know, some sort of combination between the, the field and the referees. So um, is, is this a concern for you?
1: I wouldn't exactly say Farrell specifically is a concern. I I mean, it just seemed like he didn't recognize the moment, didn't recognize how the game was being officiated and the situation that he was in. Also, you have a guy like Tati who's known for diving, so it wasn't exactly surprising to see him go down like that. So maybe you check better awareness, I would say, but I'm not exactly worried about his composure. Uh, Carlos just seems to be a really animated dude, uh, so I'm not exactly going to be uh, too harsh, but again, you kind of still have to keep that mentality, stay in the game. I know there's plenty of times uh, towards the end of the games we saw Matt Turner, you know, m- or, you know, another veteran, you know, motioning that to uh, their teammates. So I think, you know, Carlos Hill, there is maybe some slight concern, but also too, there's been some times where Tommy, Tommy McNamara has exactly had great body language. Obviously now with Josie, which I would have to say is probably the more uh, the biggest concern in the sense that you don't want that really spreading in the locker room you kind of want everyone bought in and right now it doesn't exactly seem like Josie's bought in. Uh, but overall, especially when it comes to Farrell, I wouldn't be too concerned about, uh, composure. And I think again, yesterday was an anomaly and it was just a rough game. And hopefully we won't see that again this season. Um, we got a comment here from Mike D. Why hasn't there been any real additions to
0: address the backline since Bruce joined? Omar, even uh, if he was serviceable, wouldn't have been much considered. Uh, he, he wouldn't have been considered much of an upgrade. Uh, I feel like we've been saying our backline, our defense is trash for years. Still no depth, and the same starters. Uh, I do want to say it should be noted that Henry Kessler was brought in as a draft pick. That's really the only starter along the back line. Omar is getting starter money, so maybe he was expected to start at some point uh, or have a bigger role on this team and just his performance is not there. Uh, And then it's also noted that the depth pieces that have been added under Bruce Arena, John Bell, A.J. De La Garza, uh, Ryan Spalding. So he has tweaked the depth a little bit. I think Bell, A.J. De La Garza, Spalding are all fine depth pieces. He also added Mofla, if we want to give him any... Sort of credit for Mafla, probably not. He added uh, uh, Alexander Bootner, which was a signing that didn't work out. So he has had some additions. Really, outside of Henry Kessler, though, nothing significant to really uh, improve it. So I I don't know if the question is, why hasn't Bruce addressed the back line? I just don't think he's done it in a satisfactory way. Uh, Sam, do you have anything to add on to that comment?
1: Yeah, I would definitely say, you know, you point out Mafla and Bootner. It just seems like those were really big misses. And I think, you know, maybe that time is coming where Bruce does look to uh, improve the back line. I don't exactly think it'll be this season, but whether it be the off season or maybe, you know, towards the beginning of next season, maybe that's when you see Bruce uh, finally make some moves, specifically at center back, I would say, would be the most important, whether it be getting depth or kind of getting another starter to go alongside Henry Kessler. Uh, But, yeah, he hasn't exactly had a great record of being able to find those defenders. Again, you do have Henry Kessler, so he does deserve credit for that. A.J. De La Garza has really been, I would say, a good veteran piece, but hasn't gotten a lot of playing time this season. And, obviously, John Bell, you know, he had his moments, but also has struggled as well, too. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, because I think now is really the time where, you know, you have your striker, you're pretty solid in the midfield. It seems like the logical solution is to beef up uh, that back line so George A. Petrovic isn't having to literally save the day for you and uh, keep you in games. So it'll be interesting to see what happens because I don't exactly think it's going to happen in this transfer window. So in upcoming transfer windows, uh, what Bruce is going to do.
0: And then finally, Mike Kennedy says, "Who is your rev's man of the match?" Bo gets an honorable mention with his brace, but Petro earned it today. So Mike Kennedy giving it to Petro. Uh, Sam, I, I, I think that's my vote as well. Sam, uh, who are you voting for as your man of the match?
1: Uh, just just to you know give him a shout, I would definitely want to give a shout out to Gustavo Bo because I thought he's had a great match and really just has been on fire since Adam Bruce has left and it's really the right time for him to, you know, kind of find his form and the revolution need him to. So definitely want to give him credit there, especially on uh, the first goal. Had some great movement, obviously legit, you know, drew defenders and uh, Sean Johnson towards him. And uh, Bo just made, made the right move, made the right run to uh, be in the perfect position to slot it home. Uh, I would probably, you know, lean Petrovic too, but just wanted to give uh, Bo a shout because he did have a good game and he's been playing uh, quite well uh, since the departure of Adam Buxa.
0: Yeah, Revs are sixth in MLS in goals scored this season, and Bo and Buxa really did not overlap a ton this year. So uh, Bo is really picking up a lot of the slack that Buxa uh, kind of left behind as he went over to France. So uh, final thoughts here before we wrap up today. There was one other move that we should note for uh, the Revs. Edward Kizza was recalled from Memphis uh, at, at the USL Championship level, uh, but then was immediately loaned to Pittsburgh, the Riverhounds, uh, another USL Championship team. Uh, Memphis, uh, Memphis 901 FC made the announcement on their Twitter. Uh, The Revs never actually made this announcement. They never released any sort of press release or or formal announcement on this. So, uh, but we learned about it from Memphis. Uh, They said that Edward Kizza was recalled. And then Seth McComber reported that he is being reloaned out to Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Kizza was got about a hundred minutes with Memphis in eight appearances. Uh, He didn't start any games. I think he had like five shots, zero goals. Uh, So clearly was not getting any playing time down in Memphis. And I think for the Revolution, you need to figure out what you have in Edward Kizza. Uh, He takes up an international roster spot um, if he's on the roster. He doesn't this year because he's been loaned out. But if the Revs were to add him back, he would take an international roster spot. Uh, there seems to be a lot of depth at the, the forward position right now. You have Josie, you have Bo, uh, you have uh, uh, Veroni. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with uh, Justin Rennicks. Uh Marcos Diaz is down at Revs 2. Uh, he seems to be making, making a lot of noise. Uh, Kizza looks like an odd man out. So for the Revs to move him to Pittsburgh, where he played his college ball, uh, really kind of a smart move by them to kind of move him over there and, and see what he can do. Uh, And and maybe he can kind of show some flashes uh, before the end of the year. Uh, Former Revs keeper Bobby Shuttleworth retired. He was with Atlanta United, but he decided this week to hang him up. A very accomplished career for Bobby Shuttleworth. I believe he had 246 appearances. So uh, congrats to Bobby on a great career. Uh, Want to give a shout out to the MLS aces podcast. We went on their podcast earlier this week to talk about the Veroni signing. uh, And also you can go back and listen to that episode. There's a great episode uh, with Michelle Gioni uh, about his career as a reporter for Univision. So please go check that out. And if you don't mind, please uh, give a rating, uh, give a five-star rating to MLS aces uh, and follow them. They have some very, very good interviews coming up uh, throughout the rest of this year. Uh, Also, we should mention uh, Saturday was the one year passing of Paul Mariner. Uh, Some very nice tributes from both supporter groups, the Rebellion and the Midnight Riders. Very, you know, if you're not on Rev's social media, uh, you missed uh, some very, very good uh, thoughts uh, and tributes to Paul Mariner. And so I just want to mention that very quickly. Uh, speaking of the midnight Riders, they also have their golf classic and charity dinner coming up. Uh, that was uh, announced on social media this week It is August 14th at the Stowe Acres Country Club. Check out midnightriders.com for more information on that open for everyone, even if you aren't a golfer or a midnight Rider. So please, uh, go check that out. And Sam, we got news, uh, for you. You and Gustavo Lopez are now official members of the new North American soccer reporters. So congratulations to you, uh, on joining that exclusive club.
1: Oh, I appreciate it. I got to submit my player of the week vote. It was shout out to uh, Carranza and uh, Cifuentes. Great games for them. Uh, but yeah, I, I do appreciate it. And also, too, just want to say Marcos Diaz, someone to watch, very talented striker, and he practiced for the third team this week. So definitely keep an eye out on him. As announced Marcos Diaz, the
0: next uh, Revs hashtag. Uh, stay tuned this offseason to find out.
1: Uh also, tough to
0: beat a, a hat trick for Carranza in, in terms of uh, player of the week voting, but uh, he did miss a penalty kick. I do want to point that out. He took the ball from his teammate uh, and uh, for the hat trick and missed a penalty kick, so I don't know. Uh, least impressive hat trick of all time, I'd say. He did have a bicycle kick, so I guess I shouldn't say that, but... Uh, also, uh, another news item that Sean missed last week, because he is not as good of a podcaster as me, the Revs Academy, U19s won MLS next cup last week. So the future is bright for the revolution. Uh, Sam, do you have any final thoughts before we depart here today? I'm covering a lot here, but, uh, I just want to make sure I'm not missing anything on your end.
1: I do actually, you know, you plug some events there. I do want to mention Dylan Barrero is coming to my neck of the woods up in the North shore. Uh, he's coming to, Uh, Oliver's Steakhouse, which is uh, quite close to my house. Uh, But he's coming there. I believe Athletic Mineral has a uh, Copadores. I'm going to... They have a tournament game. I'm just completely butchering my thoughts right now. But yes, he'll be there. You get to meet him. Uh, So if you are up in the North Shore, I would recommend coming uh, to that event. I know uh, NOSA Radio, and uh, shout out to Gustavo Lopez. Uh, They're hosting the event. I'll probably be there because I can pretty much walk if i want to uh and they have great food uh, personally so, so nice plug for them uh but definitely if you want to meet dylan Pereira, make sure to check that out but you know greg it was an absolute blast uh talking about how both nycfc fans and arsenal fans are as soft as toilet paper just
0: the worst just the worst terrible
1: terrible terrible the worst
0: uh, also want to give a big thanks to everyone who listened to our episode last week about if the Veroni signing was good between me and Seth McComer. Uh, we really enjoyed that format. Uh, we, we're probably going to be doing another one this week, so keep an eye on that for Wednesday or Thursday. In case you're curious about the results, uh, I did not fare very well. I think Seth got about 90% of the votes on there, so yeah, not a good result for me. I think the next one is a little bit more of a fair fight, so uh, I'm going to be curious to see what the results are there. But uh, I needed a a W, Sam. Uh, That was a very, very bad look for me to come out of the gates uh, and and pull very, very badly. 10%. That's a pretty rough run.
1: I believe in you, Greg. You'll you'll be able to pull the win the next one.
0: If you're listening to this, please vote for me. I got I got a campaign ahead of time, so. Uh,
1: That just about does
0: it. Please follow us on Twitter at Revolution Recap and follow our Revolution Recap Instagram and Facebook pages. Be sure to follow The Bent Musket at, on Twitter at The Bent Musket and follow their work online at www.thebentmusket.com for year round coverage. Also, be sure to follow Sam. Sam, where can
1: people fi- follow you on Twitter? Make sure to follow me at Sam underscore Minton22, talk plenty of revs or whatever you would like. And
0: also be sure to follow our friends at The Rebellion. Uh, at The Rebellion on Twitter, and go to anyrebellion.org to learn more about them and support our culture. Also, be sure to check out our sponsor, Galasso Kits, and use our promo code REVSRECAP for 15% off your order. Uh, and also, if you don't mind, please make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or wherever you're listening. If you could please rate and review us five stars. It's been a while since we've had a good review. Uh, it helps people looking for Revolution content find us. And if you'd like to support our podcast further, please consider becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash Recap if you are able. Uh, we'll be back following next week's match in philadelphia and as i mentioned we will have another debate episode as i try to get my vengeance on seth so until then thank you everyone for listening and go revs